Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Then you gotta pay no price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do the little extra things to get it. Welcome to the Eleven Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Jordan, is this another guided meditation week? Do we it need? M- to- it might just. It might just be. <laughs> I don't know. Should well, we start? Should we start that way? I feel like we should start that way. Yeah. Okay, you guys, remember what we did last time, okay? So take both of your hands and put them, fingers pointing to your waist, put them on the sides of your rib cage and press down very slightly so that you feel a little pressure, but not too much. Close your eyes. I'm going to count you in. We're going to breathe in for four seconds, out for five, just a couple of times. Ready? And in. Out. In, out, and one more time, in, and out. All right. Feels kind of good, man. I think everybody feels better about Matthew Stafford now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's. I think that. I think we totally uh, podcast over. (laughs) Okay, everybody. I'm glad we. uh, I'm glad we worked through that, and uh, we'll see you on Monday night. Yeah, see you Uh, next week. (laughs) (laughs) Jordan, the playoffs. The playoffs are here. That's what we go through the regular season for. For these awesome, awesome matchups, the Rams draw a Monday night matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. I know some fans weren't happy about that, and I understand. That's a tough one. That's a tough one to get to Inglewood on a Monday night, so I feel for you, Rams season ticket holders. I hope you get to take a partial day off work and enjoy yourselves uh, because it's going to be fun. It's going to be a very intriguing matchup, the third matchup of the year between the Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, they split the first two. The Rams won the NFC West on Sunday, backed into it. There's no other way to say it because they <laughs> lost to the San Francisco 49ers in overtime while the Arizona Cardinals lost to the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams, therefore, claim the number four seed in the NFC, facing the number five Cardinals. They do get a home game. And then we'll see what happens. The Rams did have the opportunity. They had it right there in front of them to clinch the number two seed, which would have guaranteed them two home games, at least two home games in the playoffs. They now cannot do that. Um, If they beat the Cardinals on Monday... They will face in the second round, uh, I believe, let's see, how would this work? They can face the, uh, they could face the Buccaneers still. Uh, They could face 
the Cowboys or they could face the 49ers. I believe those are the three options for the Rams if they win um, in the first round. But of course, that's a big step to get there. We're going to talk a lot about that, the matchup. But of course, we need to talk about the 49ers game too. I know, Rams fans, how bitter the taste was after another loss to the 49ers. But Jordan, Maybe let's start um, how the Rams came out of this game and how they're going into Monday night. Uh, some injury news, very unfortunate injury news. So what do we know about some of those guys who fell during the game? And also, what do we know about Cam Akers? Because he was able to make a return and play what was, to me, a larger role than, than I expected in that game. Do we know anything about how he came out of that game? Yeah, he came out well. Um, he... Sounds like he felt good. Um, I would be, you know, expecting him to be, a, you know, at least a full participant in practice this week and continue to increase the workload. Sean McVay was like really pleased with how he came out of the game. And he did get a good rotation, not just into the run game, but also into the passing game. Um, the one, you know, they weren't running the ball effectively regardless. Uh, you know, you do wonder sometimes if. Uh, they weren't winning at the line of scrimmage in terms of you know movement there for the run game, but you also kind of wonder if this would have they would have been better served. You know they had to balance getting Cam a couple of touches, but you almost wonder if they would have been better served just pounding Sony Michelle the entire game because that has worked for them in the past when they've struggled to run the ball early on. Um, just continuing to hammer in that that has worked for them before. Um, so you you kind of do wonder about that decision making process. Uh, obviously, that's a difficult balance to strike. Um, but Cam, you know, pretty amazing, amazing stuff. And, you know, hoping to have a lot more detail on that soon. Um, but in, in the meantime, just really, really happy for him. You know, teammates love him, coaches love him, and just really happy for him. And probably will get an increased workload continuing if he continues to feel good um, through the playoffs. The other thing uh, is that they have some bad news uh, in regards to to injuries. So uh, Jordan Fuller uh, got an ankle injury in the fourth quarter, and he is out for the rest of the of the season. And he may need surgery. Um, recovery timetable is unknown, but if there's a surgery, it's probably going to be you know several weeks to a few months. Um, and, and you know, obviously, nothing that I would I would not imagine anything that ke- keeps him out of. OTAs or training camp the following year, but um, just significant injury. Um, that's really unfortunate. Obviously, he's their signal caller on defense. Um, he is, you know, he is an outstanding safety for them and uh, a valve in many ways that's kind of smoothed over some uh, erroneous safety play in the past uh, this year. So definitely um, not great. You know, they also are not going to have Ernest Jones back in time for this game. So he's still on IR for at least one more week. So your green dot probably now becomes Jalen Ramsey, which is very cool, in my opinion. Obviously not in these circumstances, but it has to be a player who's on the field the entire game, as Jalen is. has to be a player who is moving at least somewhere in the middle of the field in order to communicate those signals. That's now Jalen Ramsey. He's not just going to be on the outside. Um, And your other options are like Troy Reader, um, which probably won't happen. And Taylor Rapp, who also, you know, is dealing with a bit of a scary situation because he is in the concussion protocol. And that's why you did not see him on the field late in the game. Um, I did think, I do think I saw it when it happened. Um, he got rolled up on over his head and his shoulder and kind of was 
uh, you know, hanging his arm a little bit differently uh, and yeah. then sh- was pulled off the field shortly after and obviously would have maybe thought maybe he thought it was a stinger or something similar at yeah. first. And then the concussion spotter would have spotted him and then pulled him out of the game and, and put him in the protocol. It's not an update that we received during the game or post game, um, but we did receive it on uh, the morning or the afternoon after the game from Sean McVay. Um, so then, uh, you've got Leonard Floyd is dealing with a back issue, but should be okay for, for Monday night's game, according to McVeigh. And then Darius Williams and Van Jefferson, both dealing with shoulder injuries. Van Jefferson is expected to be okay for Monday night's game. But, uh, as of yesterday afternoon, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. As of Monday afternoon, Sean McVeigh still was saying he had not received an update on Darius Williams' shoulder in terms of the severity of it, so his status is questionable. They could get Robert Rochelle back this week. He's been on IR with a ribs injury. would be really difficult situation, obviously, for him to be in, especially with those types of injuries needing a little bit more time uh, to recover. And then, oh my goodness, yeah. and then- Take a breath. And then, yeah, uh, they, Sean McVay kind of broke a little news also in the middle of his press conference. I was asking him about the uh, fourth quarter series in which he called three run plays in a row. Um, and we'll get to that probably later in the conversation. But in, in part of his response to that was that Matthew Stafford had hurt his toe earlier in the game and they couldn't do some of the play action or pocket movement stuff that probably would have been a much more effective uh, play call on one of those downs. I'm not saying necessarily the third down you guys, right? but on one of those downs would have been an effective play call um, or even running the ball out of maybe a different type of, of pre-snap alignment would have also been effective. But he said that they couldn't, do that because they were uh, being extra precautious about the toe. He also said that Matthew came into the building on Monday morning. It felt fine that he didn't expect this to be an issue moving into the week. Um, but if it was an issue late in the game, I think that a rational person would also be aware and wary of that heading into the week. Um, so that's kind of where they're at right now, Rich. Well, um, geez. That's uh, quite a bit. Allow me um, to take a sip of my iced coffee. Yeah, I'll give you a second there to uh, re- regain your wind. Um, that's, uh, well, it wouldn't be the Rams if there wasn't a quarterback issue going into the playoffs, I guess. But uh, instead I of a... I thought insta- of that. Instead I had, of dark, a, I had yeah. dark flashbacks. Yeah. Instead of a thumb, it's a toe. So it's I, the, I guess, the, yeah. the thumb of the foot. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's some synergy there. Um, does this mean uh, Terrell Burgess? It should. Uh, pro- I yeah. my God. Oh, yeah. I'm just ugh, you guys. I trust me. I'm with all of you. Like it should mean more Terrell Burgess. Terrell Burgess came in late in the fourth quarter and then started overtime and made what would have if they scored on the other side would have been a game saving and overtime saving play with a tackle on George Kittle in space that forced him out of bounds well short of the sticks and forced a field goal um, after that third down play. And like that is what they need that the the contact and drag down on initial contact the contain well short of the sticks like that is what they need. And, um, you know, if you are going to be facing this situation, that's a very small silver lining is that you should be getting him on the field more and he likely will see the field more at this point. Yeah, certainly makes sense. And uh, not, not an easy 
thing for for him to jump into and and not an easy thing to to fill Jordan Fuller's shoes either as strange as that may sound for for somebody as young as uh, Jordan Fuller he certainly has established himself as a huge part of that Rams defense so um, certainly not going to be easy to do that but he does have some experience and I agree I think he's played very well in those uh, in those times that he's been given uh, an opportunity to get on the field so We'll see. It's still a long week ahead. As Jordan said, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Of course, the game not being until Monday. I know some people were a little upset by that, but I I assure you that the Rams will welcome that extra day when you're talking about some of these people who may be who may need that extra day, whether it's another day for Matthew Stafford's toe or Darius Williams' shoulder or whatever it may be. um, Any extra 24 hours is going to be very beneficial. So I know Jordan uh, certainly will be on top of that uh, throughout the week. Um, Jordan, I don't even know where to start here. I got to be honest with you. Like there's, I I, I feel like, I feel like wherever we start, that's where the listeners think we're, we're putting our emphasis and that that's not necessarily true, (laughs) but, but you know, there's, there's so many things that came out of that, that, game against San Francisco and I, I put on Twitter last night like you know how, how are you feeling Rams fans like what are your what what are your dreams you what tag, are your worries you yeah. me in it again yeah sorry about that I do yeah. love that my dog Tucker is becoming a reaction meme however oh um, he absolutely should be yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And also be the my, only reaction meme yes <laughs> yeah and yeah. also my friend Claire from back in Charlotte she's got this cat named Tina I've got a calendar of this cat because it's the most hilarious <laughs> facial expression cat. I'm not a cat person at all, but I love this cat. And she's got like these giant like bulbous eyes and her mouth is always open. And <laughs> she's a really sweet, sweet cat. And uh, she, you guys got to go check out the thread because it's hysterical. Like the cat's face in this thread is, is so funny. But yeah, anyway, it doesn't even, it shout doesn't out even to look Tina real. and Claire. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was a caricature at first. And I was like, wait a minute, that's a real that's cat. That's a real cat. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, I, I, I think on the surface of it, there's three things and I don't necessarily Maybe I'll let you pick, Jordan. Maybe that's the you can spin the roulette wheel. But you know the way I see it out of that out of that game, there there is Matthew Stafford and and the way that things went during that game, both very well at times and then not very well at times. Um, there is the defense uh, in in general, uh, especially as you discussed, Jordan, at the line of scrimmage. I think and the way that that. Uh, kind of devolved uh, during the game and maybe even specifically after halftime. And then I think there's a couple, one of which you already um, uh, touched on in a little bit was Sean McVay's uh, a couple decisions that were made, one at the end of the second quarter and, and one near the end of the fourth quarter that I think one kind of set in motion some of what happened and the other one more directly led to, to the outcome. So um what do you think, Jordan? It, it, we're all over the place here. I was yeah. I was realizing this morning the only thing that we really don't have to dissect is special teams. Oddly enough, uh, but but what there a are, world we're yeah, in now. Yeah, there there are other things. So I don't know. Again, I I don't want to pick one and say like, oh, that's that's the biggest thing here. I think all three of those things were very important in the game. So I don't know. Does, does any of them jump out to you particularly? I think what the fair thing for us to do because that game was so chaotic, and I wrote in my column like it just it was the Rams. And all of their multiple personalities just on display for the world to see. And the 49ers certainly have a way of bringing that out of them, um, which honestly, like, seems a bit psychological as well. Um, I think that what we could what the fair way to do this would be to pick out something from the first half that 
we saw that was working that then juxtaposes either to something in the second half that wasn't working or something yeah. in the sort of implosion that we can discuss. That way we can kind of keep this much more balanced than the Rams were able to keep things um, on Sunday. And so it, what I would say um, in the first half, what you know, it, it was the first quarter, first quarter and through much of the second quarter, um, you know, I was really, really impressed with what this team was putting together, not because they were putting crazy points on the board, although a 17-point lead, you should not be blowing that lead, first of all. Um, but I was impressed by, you know, they weren't running the ball particularly efficiently, um, but they were sticking to it in a ball control type of way. Um, and they were moving the pocket a bit more um, in the first half. When, when I went back and watched, you could definitely see that that was something that affected them later in the game. But um, they were doing the things that the 49ers kind of beat them on last last time they played, which was um, even though it was a, t- a small early lead uh, that that the Rams established with just a field goal after the drive, the drive took eight and eight minutes, almost nine minutes off the clock. And the 49ers only ran something like, what, 19 plays to the Rams, 33 plays in the first yeah. half. The, the Rams doubled the time of possession and put um, 17 you know points on the board. But then, you know the the foot started to come off of the throat a little bit. And it was odd to me that you then started to see because they were aggressive in that plan A. Ball control doesn't seem like it's aggressive, but it it is. It can be if you're using it effectively and efficiently in the same way you've seen it kill the Rams a couple of times. The Rams were then using that methodology, particularly with that lead and their defense was getting the 49ers off the field. Um, their pressure was getting there because the 49ers were um, – just you know, trying this the the passing attack that, that they were trying to to you know move down the field and put some points on the board themselves, probably so that they could go ball control on the other side, right. and um, the Rams defense just played an outstanding first half in my opinion. Um, they were. Uh, aggressive. They were getting into the backfield. They had five tackles for loss, two sacks. Um, you know, there was uh, interceptions were happening. Um, you know, it just was, it was, it was impressive. Um, and things, and I, I, it's not the, it's not the reason they lost the game, but you could start to feel a pivot happen. And I respect this. And I, I hear people when they talk about this, you could start to feel a pivot happen when the Rams did run that empty set on third and one. And the problem that I have with that, not necessarily is the aggression of the play call itself. um, But in that situation, that clearly wasn't the right play call. You, Sean McVay admitted after the game, like aggression is fine, but not just for the sake of it. Like it has to be calculated you have to be aggressive in the way that was working for you earlier on. And to go empty in that regard, Sean McVay admitted even that the 49ers were really getting after them pressure-wise. That uh, And you could see it all game. I mean, they weren't – not only were they not running the ball effectively, but they were bringing it in terms of their pass rush. And, you know, that in that, in that sense, you don't have anything to – um, sort of pull the, def- the defenders outside of their rush or you don't have anything to sort of avert their eyes. You don't have a, a running back in the backfield as a safety valve. You don't have anything. And, um, you know, I, I don't have an issue a lot of times with the empty sets, but in this scenario, it was not. It was it was aggression just for the sake of aggression. There did not seem to be any calculation behind it. And that sack was so costly because what did the 49ers do? Come back on the other side and avoid the shutout. 
yeah. in the first half. And then they started to put up unanswered points on the other side of halftime with the adjustments that they made. So I know it wasn't first half, second half, but those are my first two that I want to point out. Yeah, I, I think it was it felt it's one of those things where you can't quantify it, but it felt like a big moment because the Rams have the ball there. They're winning 17 to nothing. That that's really the the scenario at that point is sure they're, it's great. They're kicking ass. Too. They were doing like, very well. Yeah. Um and so the 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 minimum that you want to do there is go into halftime up 17 to nothing. If you can make it 20 great. If you can make it 24 fantastic. But what you need to protect by all means is 17 to nothing and having that zero on the scoreboard for the 49ers to look at when they when they run in at halftime. And not only did the Rams not do that, they punted it back to the 49ers who then went uh 60 yards in 33 seconds mm-hmm. uh, really moved the ball for the first time all game with the, with that level of effectiveness they got. Uh, they well, got and they punted. Sorry, Rich, but mm-hmm. even after that third down, like they punted. Where was the punt? Where was the punt from? To the 15. They were, they were the, close to midfield. Weren't they like pretty close to midfield still at that point? They, or am they I were at the 42 before the sack. And that moved them right. back to the 34. So the, and so they the sack punted. was bad. Was the bad. sack was really yeah, bad. Really yeah, bad. It, yeah. Yeah. Because even let, let's say you run the ball there on third and one and you get stuffed. Uh, then you're, you you're, probably go for it. You probably go for it. Or at, yeah. the, at the worst, you're punting from your own 42 yard line. And you, right. then you can really pin them down uh, with 30 seconds left. But right. they, they really it ended up being the worst case scenario. Not only did they not get the first down, they backed themselves up eight yards um, and, and they left the 49ers enough time to get some momentum. And what they did is they moved the ball and they knew they were getting the ball to start the second half. Um, yeah. So they went in. They said, oh, that's only 14 points. That's only two touchdowns. If we go out and and score uh, on the first drive, which is exactly what they did, then it's 17 to 10. And it, you're that's practically no lead at all. I mean, that's that's one play away from being back in the game. So Yeah. And, and, and I'll let you finish too here, Rich. But I also want to say, like, by no means are we saying that it was then okay that the defense gave up that no. this, that field goal at the end. It's still not it's still not okay. Like yeah. you have, uh, let's see, you haven't. The, the the problem too is so you have the interception that comes with three minutes fifty one seconds. T- Taylor Rapp with the interception, and then they go down and instead of capitalizing off that, that's when they take the sack inside the two minute warning. After that, they they aren't able to capitalize with points off that interception. Instead. Matthew Stafford takes a sack off that really, in my opinion, not not a good uh, play call, in my opinion. And certainly the the execution and protection wasn't there either. So again, this is like going to be another one of those podcasts where we say the phrase, all things are true at the same time. Again, I know that's annoying, but we're going to do it. Okay, so then you give up uh, two explosive pass plays Want a catch and run uh, by Brandon Ayuk, and then Ayuk uh, again, just a flat out explosive. So a 19 yarder and a, a, a 26 yarder, and that was uh, Darius Williams and David Long, respectively. And you get them; they get well in field goal range at that point, and they come off the the field with points on the board after a really frenzy drive and it all it all devolves over the course of just like two minutes and you can't you can't have those moments against a team like this you cannot give the team those a frantic two minutes like you just can't and it just ended up being so costly and then they knew they were getting the ball back yeah and and that's 
it, it, again, it's just, it's one of those things that, and, and I'm glad you you inserted what you said there, Jordan. It's it's not an excuse that didn't end the game. Um, the the Rams are, are still in in good situations throughout. It's all still of this. seventeen to three. That's still a very good lead, <laughs> and and there's nothing you you should be especially for a team that there's some stat, Jordan, about Sean McVay leading at halftime. Oh, I didn't yeah. quite catch it. Uh, but talk about uh, adding insult upon insult was upon it 45? insult. Forty five. Is that what he got up to? Forty five and oh. Forty five and oh. Streak snapped. So when you have that reputation and you go into a halftime with a 14 point lead, you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself. But but it just felt weird. I don't know. It's just one of those things where you just kind of went, oh, I think that field goal is going to come back to haunt them. And sure enough, it did. They really would have liked to have had those three points off the board by by the end of the game. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. I want to circle back in one minute, Jordan, because I want to ask you about the defense and the difference between the first half and the second half, because I think uh, I, I really want to hear your thoughts on this. But I want to I want to uh, piggyback on, on one point that you made, and I know it's going to be mm-hmm. very on brand for me, um, but but you talked about the, the run game and the, the thing that was going on there is they were not running the ball very effectively at all i mean there were i i don't know what it was at halftime but I it, think was, it was it was like 14 net yards yeah because on that 13 carries in, or something yeah like and that. it factors yeah. in negative plays so there were positive plays but there were right. actually a lot of negative plays as well right yeah but you you look at where things really got off track for the Rams offense in the second half, and there was a stretch there from when San Francisco made it a 17 to 10 game until they tied it. Um, within that stretch, the Rams at one point attempted 10 consecutive pass plays. Um, and guess what? It didn't go well. Not at all. How um, many of those uh, also, how many of those were went to Cooper Cup in the third quarter? Uh, zero. Right. Zero of them went to point. Cooper Cup. Yeah. Simple point made. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very much so. So like and and, and but this is where I, I talk about like the the run game not just being a, a a black and white thing. It's not just 
oh, you run the ball because running the ball is a more effective way to move it than passing it. No, that's not, I, I would never make that argument. And I think on this Rams offense, that is not true. That is, that is objectively not true. And I would not make that argument. But I think what you saw in the first half was they were not running the ball effectively, but it was still a part of their offense. And it's, it's almost like to put it, not to simplify it too much, but like, you know, think of a pitcher in baseball, right? And if you're, let's say, to make it real simple, you're you're a two pitch, you're a, you're a fastball curveball person, uh, and and you get out on the mound one day, and you know what? You just the curveball is just not. You're you're just you're bouncing it. You can't you can't get a grip on it. Whatever it may be, your curveball is just not there that day. But you can't sit there and then just say, well, my effect my the only effective way to throw this ball is to throw a fastball. Like it's not going to work because the other team is going to look at that and say, oh, guess what? They've just thrown ten fastballs in a row. Chances are pretty good one of the next two pitches here is going to be a fastball, and 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 that's where you run into some of these problems. Like running the ball at times can just be a means to an end sometimes. I mean, well, and even mixing up pass types of pass plays too. Sure. Um, mixing in. That's what that's again, my one of my biggest gripes from last year with McVeigh and, and with and with Goff was that there was it was a cr- like their play action was a crutch. Well, yeah. you know, I don't know when Matthew hurt his foot. Sean McVeigh alluded to it being in the third quarter. Um to me, it seemed like something that really could have happened on a sack at the end of the first half. Sure. Um, but, you know, we don't know. We just have to take people's words for it. And just sometimes you have to be take that with a grain of salt. And like, so if you can't like you're you're just lacking all kinds of depth. And then you're also, again, like almost panicking, like you still have yeah. a lead at that point. Yeah. And. The other thing that I bring up, too, because they weren't running the ball effectively and you just aren't going to do that some days, but you you can still pick the right spots with which to run. And it goes back again to just some of the games that we've watched where even if they aren't getting, you know, uh, above three, 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 three point five yards per carry, um, you still it adds that pounding and that rhythm. Yeah. Well. What really worked for them was having all of their tight ends active and jumbo personnel sets, which they sprinkled back in from time to time um, this last time. But and they also they showed the most beautiful play call I think I've seen um, that's not involving Cooper Cup this year was the one to Tyler Higby, the touchdown, the touchdown. over the top because yeah. they used their jumbo set, but they threw a pass out of it, which yes. is awesome. Like they yes. set, they totally set up the, the 49ers to bite on the run play by bringing in that jumbo set that they had used so often before. And then instead just popped it right over the top and just completely open and just, just so slick as could be like, that was brilliant. But yeah. then you're not, you're also not moving the line of scrimmage really at all on the other side. Um, and then, and you're not running the ball efficiently, but you also, you don't have Bryson Hopkins on the active roster that day. Yeah. So you, you can't add in your extra blocking help and you can't, you, you're not going to, you can't consistently be doing that in a way where you, you're not just running tackles on and off the field the entire game. Like you don't, it, it's just the, you're going backwards in terms of maximizing that personnel that we were talking about earlier in the thing. And you're, you're removing your own depth. Like, yeah. and I'm not saying depth, like on, as in roster, you're removing your own depth of playbook at that point. Right. Um, when you're, when you're sort of, uh, uh, one hand's tied behind your back in the passing game clearly. And then also you're, you're not running the ball, even though you're not running it effectively, you're also not running it really. There's not any sort of, uh, 
um, success in, in moving the types of things that you're doing in the run game. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great point on that Higby play, by the way. And I was just looking at it. I, I, I tried to note um, it's hard to, to tell sometimes things happen real quick, but I, I tried to note the number of times they went back into that jumbo um, set. I found uh, at least three more after that and and they were all runs and they mm-hmm. were all fairly predictable, um, you know, runs at that. So um, I don't know whether, again, they, they maximized all of that either, especially some of those times, like you said, when it was clear, they were just kind of running into a brick wall at times with that 49ers front, which was, which was playing um, very well. So yeah, I don't, I, I think it got away from them a little bit. Um, I understand the frustration when things start to get away from you. Um, and, and, you know, just human nature, like it's hard, it's hard in that, in those moments while it's happening in real time to, uh, to process that, but it's, it's something that, that you need to do. But Jordan, along those lines, we're, we're talking about some of the contrasts here. And I, and I think by far the biggest contrast is what was going on with that Rams defense. I mean, mm-hmm. if you showed people who hadn't watched that game, the first half and the second half, they wouldn't believe that it was the same unit out there. Uh, you, I watched the way that they were playing in the first half and there was a there was a real aggression to it. I mean, they were they were all they were fast to the ball. They were uh, you know they didn't let Debo uh, get on track with anything that he was doing. They were finishing tackles, and and then you get to the second half, and it I, it just fell apart on them. I mean, the number of missed tackles, uh, the 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 battle at the line of scrimmage. Now, a lot of things can go into that, Jordan. But I mean, in terms of adjustments or or whatever it may be, like wh- what do you think kind of turned that? Um, so far against the Rams' favor? It was so simple, and it's it should be infuriatingly simple if you're the Rams watching this film back today uh, or yesterday when they would have been watching it back. It should be infuriating as well if you're a coach and you're watching it back. Um, and it certainly wasn't everything, but it was a major, major uh, ripple effect that a very simple tweak um, that Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel made at halftime um, that changed pretty much everything, including the, uh, the the ability for the front to be as physical um, off the ball as it was. And again, put the onus directly on the inside linebackers, which featured, you know, Troy Reader once again, as it did the first time with Ernest Jones out um, and Traven Howard. Um, and safeties that, again, like at, at a certain point, you know, were leaving the game because of injuries. So I am going to dissect this. I need you to cut me off if I start rambling too much. I'm asking this of you as a friend and a <laughs> colleague. <laughs> um, sometimes I get carried away in this. Um, but it, it was really, really, this is really, really important. 24 points should have been enough to beat this team. A 17-point mm. lead should have been enough to beat this team. But there was an adjustment made by Shanahan and McDaniel at halftime that uh, just absolutely knocked the Rams on their butts. And it was the fact that they were incorporating more toss and pitch plays into their run game. They were still running the ball traditionally, by the way, in a deficit, and they were running the ball. But, But the thing was, was that they were adding a layer to their run game on a specifically and efficiently selected number of plays, downs and distances, things like that, situationals, where they were, instead of just a straight handoff, they were then tossing, um, pitching the ball to a a back or a catch-and-run player um, out of the backfield. So this is why this is important. 
So when you play a gap and a half front like the Rams do, um, then you are already responsible for acquiring, again, like literally more ground. It's a gap and a half. Um, you're, you're responsible for that. So the Rams have guys who can do that very effectively. Aaron Donald does it very well. Greg Gaines does it well. Ashawn Robinson, the first half, was playing a hell of a football game. And again, that really works if you are uh, – you can stop the run that way. The Rams have stopped the run that way in the past. You've seen it. They've, right. they've, they've stopped the run, especially tr- more traditional run games. Okay, but if you add a pitch play – and you add a pitch like this, and you're and you're um, also popping out. You're doing more outside zone runs and all of that. But specifically, when you add the pitch play, you at the snap as the block after the block initial blockers are acquired um, up front, you're now changing the point of contact for the ball. So you're let's it, it's almost like. Um, when they're when you're driving down the freeway and some asshole is in front of you and they didn't strap a chair down um, in the back of their pickup <laughs> truck, <laughs> here we go, here it comes. Yes. And the chair the chair flies out of the back. This has happened to me. The chair flies out of the back and you have to swerve all of the sudden. But you're also in a lane on the fucking excuse me, <laughs> didn't say it. You're also on a lane on the four hundred five. And that's what you were saying. You the, have fo- the 405. The, fo- yes. the 405. Yes. yes. And you you have cars on either side of you. And so those are your required blocker. You have nowhere. You can't move that way right. quick enough because, like, oh, you're going to hit another freaking car. Right. This is exactly what this is. You're you're changing the point of contact. The chair flying d- towards your windshield is the point of contact. And it's changing. You have to swerve. You have to move. So, you know, you if you can't get there. After when the point of contact moves like that, now we're back on football. We're off the freeway now. Right. When the point of contact moves like that, it directly puts the onus on your inside linebackers and your safeties who are coming down from depth to fill space. Um, it directly puts the onus on them to contain and tackle and and first of all evaluate the space. And then put themselves, position themselves toward that space, toward the then what what the the ball carrier where where that gap will be, and fill that space. And then also hit them on contact and contain on first contact. The 49ers did really, really well in terms of getting that penetration, especially on downs that they made that they would then turn into much more manageable third downs where in the first half they were forcing long, the Rams are forcing long second and third downs and they, they were pinning their ears back on third down and it was, they were getting really effective rush and all of that. Well, because they were utilizing some of these pitch plays on first and second downs, you were then turning your third downs either that you were converting or you're turning them into much more manageable downs. And then you could come back to the traditional run. Then you can do a little quick pass. Then you can do a catch and run. You can do a screen, those types of things. So those pitch plays were killing them. Hmm. And you know what the most infuriating thing is? And I, as a football watcher, I'm infuriated. I, you know, obviously we say this all the time. I'm not, not a Rams fan. If you're a 49ers fan, you must, you got to think, man, that was brilliant. But if you're a Rams fan or if you're a coach, you're probably infuriated because literally they did, they did this. They did the same freaking thing to the same players. Right. That they did the first time around. Remember right. the first time around on those third downs, they spammed the inside linebackers. Again, it was Troy Reader. At times it was Taylor Rapp. At times it was like other safeties rotating in. Again, they spammed the middle of the field. Um, and, you, you know, some of your alignments, you, you have 
you know, Jalen lined up on receivers. You have Jalen uh, eliminated from the um, the passing game completely because you line up Debo somewhere else. You, you're, you're, but but instead of doing it in the pass game, which they did with great effect, especially on third down, especially targeting toward those complementary players in the team build, they did it. Their quarterback had a hurt hand, and they did it on the ground this time with a extremely simple, so infuriatingly simple adjustment at halftime to use more of those plays, those pitch plays, daring, daring Troy Reader to, to come down and contain, daring the safeties to come down and contain on first contact, and they didn't. And that that's part of, of some of the huge problem, and, 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 and it's got to be infuriating because it's literally – it's the same game plan as the last time, just with a twist to protect your quarterback's hand, and you're right. you're pitching it instead of throwing it. Right. And it's it, it's it it has to be absolutely infuriating. And and our our Nate Tice, who does a great job breaking down film, um, you know, for the athletic football show, and then he also has a Substack um, that you guys should go check out. It's awesome. I've shared it out a bunch of times. Um, so he he wrote he did a little mini thread with this film breakdown of this exact thing that I wrote about in my column and am talking about now. And so this is what, this is what Nate Tice said. And you guys go, I, I retweeted this. You guys go check it out. It's really informative and valuable. He said, quote, the 49ers offense basically said to the Rams, we don't think your safeties and linebackers can tackle, especially as the game went along, got to a lot more toss lead zones. that gets the ball to a Ram safety as a force player in the second half. That's, uh, a much smarter way of describing what I just explained. <laughs> um, then he said the uh, the Rams' entire defense will go with how well Troy Reader plays, which is and he and then he says which is a hilarious sentence to write. Which you know I'm not going to go that far, but also right. like it, it's 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 got to be infuriating. It right. has to be absolutely infuriating because again, this is not this was a simple adjustment that maybe I don't even know. The problem is, and this is also what I shared in my in my quote tweeting of it, um, was first of all, like the problem is, you don't. Who are you going to put on the field to stop that? Because Ernest Jones is hurt, and you haven't. You know, you don't really have a lot of depth at inside linebacker. And Ernest Jones was supposed to be your answer to problems like that, but he's hurt, and that that's nobody's fault. That just stinks. Right. But then, how are you? And then your, you know, your safeties are in flux pretty much the entire game. But then, how are you adjusting that as a coordinator? Right. Like, how right. are you? How are you then adjusting to that problem? How are you then? How are you then um, scheming around that? How are you then, you know, adjusting to that very, very simple yet just horribly effective um, thing that's happening to you at this point? And it doesn't matter, you know, you're at, at a certain point, if you're changing the point of contact away from your first level like that, you can be as physical as you want. And yes, the Rams were getting, um, you know, sort of outmatched in the second half at times along the line of scrimmage. But if you're changing the contact point, it just doesn't, at, at, after the snap, it just doesn't matter at a certain point because you're you're automatically putting it away from Aaron Donald. You're changing the contact point away from those guys. And you're literally, that the onus is now directly on your linebackers directly and that is what Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel did so well against not just the Rams uh defense but also their team the weak spots in their team build right. that's they did it so effectively the first time around and the second time around they did it the exact same thing just with a different window dressing on it and a diff- in a different phase and that is first of all that's freaking evil and second of all <laughs> like how are you not ready to counter something like that because right. if you especially because Part of the problem is 
did was did you consider it? Right. You're not running that in your run game. Right. Did you consider that to be an issue? Right. Right. Anyway, I I did start rambling and you didn't stop me. So No, it was great. I was not going to stop you. You can keep going on. The the only thing I was going to point out to to uh, drive home your point even further as you look at those first two drives of the second half for the 49ers, uh, they faced four third down situations. They were third, I'm sorry, fourth, did I say fourth down or third down? Four third down situations. The yards to go on those were three yards, two yards, one yard, and one yard. Those were the situations that they put themselves in on third down on those two very important uh, touchdown drives that ended up tying the game. And and the last play in that sequence was a pitch to Debo Samuel that ended up being thrown down the field for a 24-yard touchdown pass. It's just so, got to be infuriating. I mean, yeah. honestly, like it, it really it just I'm not trying to be like uh, Sally Sad Pants or anything like no. that, but like it just, it's just got to be, that shit's got to be infuriating. Yeah. And it's not something, I, I mean, whether it's a personnel issue or certainly the 49ers not stupid, they're, they're looking at where they can exploit the Rams and, and what they can do. So maybe you can look at it from the Rams perspective and say, well, you know, <laughs> we're doing what we can with the personnel that, that we have, but you, you can't let that happen to you again. This is not something that's new. This was not something that uh, a team just pulled out and you went, wow, what? we've never seen that before. We've never seen, we've never seen them try to, try to do that to a team before um, you you have to be able to to see that happening to you and 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 do something about it and when you couple all of this which is back to our thing of being able to hold two things in your head at the same time when you couple all of this with the fact that not only were the 49ers doing what were all of this that we're talking about but they kept getting the ball back because the Rams couldn't yeah. move it a three and out an interception so it, it was you can put yourself in a situation where you say okay maybe that was going to start happening to the Rams defense but hey as long as the offense keeps scoring then it's okay then maybe it ends up being a 48 to you know 34 game or something like that. But that's not what happened. Not yeah. only were the Rams not able to stop what the 49ers were doing with these very simple things that you're talking about, but they also kept giving the ball back to them every two to three minutes because the Rams just couldn't get any first downs. I mean, yeah. it's just a perfect storm of, of trouble for the Rams. And that's why I don't like when it, things are excused, like long interceptions are excused as like arm punts. Like, okay, yeah, you probably two downs later would have punt, could have punted the ball there. But in a situation like this, when the 49ers have found the secret of beating you and very clearly have are are trying to surge back and you keep getting, you know, getting off the field, your own offense is getting forced off the field so quickly. You can't waste drives like that. So, you know, no, it's not like a a pick six in the end. Like, what are we doing? Are we comparing worse to worse? Like, you know, like that's the thing. The interception is still bad. Like, yeah, okay, it's not the worst type of interception at all. And you can also make a lot of cases that it just wasn't, you know, there's 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 a lot of arguments and nuances that go into every play, as we said, but like, it's just, you can't be wasting drives like that. You can't, especially like when you were so successful in the first part of the game at keeping the ball away from the 49ers. And you know, now you can see what they're doing to your defense. um, That's, that's work, that's working. And that's another reason why I had such issue. It does not excuse 
the defense giving up drives like that. It doesn't excuse the end of the game or the end of regulation drive. It does not excuse that. I was trying so hard to explain that in the comment section. It's like it just because the the setup on the offensive side was was not good was it was um, inexcusable in some parts um, doesn't also doesn't then just absolve the the other side of the ball like right. it it was it it both can be true so right. when I I had one of my the the biggest things that, that the biggest gripes that I had that I felt was totally inexcusable was the way the end of the game was handled. Yeah. And the play calls running your most and they were they they finished the game with what 64 net rushing yards and they ran the ball a lot and you finish the game you're, you're running your most inefficient play and you know of course now we know now we know that they're uh, let you know there was clearly Sean McVay said that Matthew Stafford was dealing with the toe with the toe thing. So in in regards to that, like a play on first down where maybe you should have run the play action and, and hit Cooper Cup for a conversion, then started using the timeouts because you were on the other side of the two minute warning at that point. So then you start using the timeouts and then you start uh, or forcing them to use the timeouts and then but but you're but you're well. You're you, you're controlling the 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 downs. You're you're still doing your thing. You're running safe plays, but you're still being aggressive because you are closing out the game. Right. It's a thin line between just over, like what I said, between calculated patience and overthought conservatism. And the yeah. Rams once again fell into overthought conservatism with those that sequence of play calling at the end of the game that seemed to only exist to force. Kyle Shanahan to use all of his timeouts and then right. they still got the ball back and scored. And again, it does not excuse the fact that the defense let the the 49ers go down the field in 55 seconds with no timeouts and tie the game. That doesn't excuse that at yeah. all. But but Sean McVay entered that sequence. Sean McVay entered that sequence knowing that his captain and starting safety and defensive signal caller was out of the game. His other safety was out, was going to be out of the game because he had just he you know he suffered a concussion. You have to change your 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 safety rotation. You're in flux in that regard, in heavy flux, a, a position that the 49ers had been spamming all game in one way or another. Um, you know that's happening on the other side of the ball. You are aware of that, and you still make those play calls. You still have that sequence of play calls. You don't take the opportunity and just just, you know, say, just kick the door down. You don't take that opportunity to not just be aggressive for the sake of being aggressive, which would also be bad, but you don't take the opportunity to close. You have the opportunity. It's in your hands, that control that you are so wanting, and it's right there. And you hand it back to the side of the ball that, first of all, was more inefficient um, throughout the, the totality of the game and to a side of the ball that like was missing some of its key personnel where the offense was not um, right. toe aside. Like right. it, it wasn't missing key personnel of that magnitude. And so to me, that's the inexcusable part is is opting for that sequence in that in that sense. And and again, once I'll say it one more time, it does not mean it's OK that the defense gave up the drive on the other side. Both are at fault here, right. but but as the head coach of a team who is is so invested in every phase and every facet, to give the keys back over in that regard to a position you knew was in serious trouble on the other side, um, 
by calling that those three secrets, it's not just the third down. Like like people right. people were asking, oh, you know, is it just you know the third down, the third and seven that that's the problem, and why wasn't that a pass? Blah blah blah. Okay, well, no, it's not. That's not what I'm talking about specifically. Like any one of those downs, seriously, right. any right. one of those downs would have worked. A pass right. play, two pass plays, any one of them would have worked. Seriously, right. um, screens, catch and runs, Cooper Cup. Like right. Tyler Jet Higby, sweet. literally yeah. Tyler Higby falling forward play like that. Right. Really, anything could have worked right. that you st- if you stay on the field and continue to keep the clock moving and the ball moving. Like that is asserting the type of calculated, patient, um, and efficiently chosen control that is going to be the difference for this team down the stretch. Yes, the yeah. turnovers are a big deal. Yes, the defense uh, being, you know, just succumbing to some of that stuff, that's a big deal as well. But making calculated, efficient, and um, uh, not aggressive for the sake of being aggressive, as we talked about earlier, but 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 um, but calculated patience and and controlled decisions in that moment, um, the best decisions in that moment, that's going to make such a huge difference for this team, not only in the playoffs, but through the rest of their time like it it, yeah. it matters it, it matters so much yeah and it's it's look it, it's it's one thing to have confidence in in your defense and say hey you know what we're, we're gonna play it here and we're gonna give them the ball back but I, I think we can get that stop but but the thing is you you have the ball <laughs> you have a chance to win the game without even doing that without giving the ball back to the 49ers at all so first of all that should always be your first instinct is let's let's hold our own destiny here let's let's play this out and and not even give them the ball back at all so just to set the scenario I'm sure most people watched it but just to set the scenario of what we're talking about here the Rams got the ball back at their 40 yard line with a minute and 50 seconds left the 49ers did have all three of their timeouts so you knew at the 40 so to your point Jordan in terms of aggression or whatever word that you want to use there, it's nobody is saying that, that the Rams had to go play action and try to throw 60 yards to Cooper Cup or Odell Beckham Jr. No, like that's, for the love that, of God, don't do that. No, that, that's <laughs> not what, like when we say aggression or anything like that, like that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about having, you're not even talking about having we're to score a touchdown. We're not talking about running an empty set on a third down. Yeah. The the what the Rams really needed to do there, they didn't even need to get points. They they have a seven point lead. You, if you get certainly if you get two first downs, the game is over. Um, maybe if you get one, depending on what play it. If the 49ers have already used two of their timeout, whatever, what, however you want to play that out. Yeah, depending but, but, on the down, you really could. It was all in front of them. Seriously. Yeah. All if, of it. if if they convert, uh, the 49ers used just just to play it out a little bit farther. Okay, uh, that third and seven play. That you're, again, not that we're putting it all on the third and seven play, but uh, but at that point it was third and seven. San Francisco had already used two of their timeouts. There was only a minute and forty left. If the Rams convert that third down. The game is over uh, and and that's it. So you look at it from the Rams perspective and say, OK, what's your choice here? You can you can do what they did, which is hand the ball to Sony Michelle again and have him get stopped as he did, just as he had done the previous two times and probably two or three times before that. Or you can look at it and say, OK, yes, if we try to throw the ball here, we are going to stop the clock. We are going to uh, allow San Francisco to keep a timeout. But 
But if we complete the pass, if we could throw a little slant to Tyler Higby and he falls forward, like you said, and picks up seven it's the yards. classic Tyler Higby play, like fall forward and bounce. And the know? game is over. Like- the game is over at that point. Literally, <laughs> that's it. Um, so I, I think that's the issue. And that's circling back to what I say about the run game. It's it's not like it's it's not always run game good run game bad like the it's not it's not as black and white like that like you have to put it in some kind of context and say what is your situation here like what are you trying to accomplish and in this case all the rams needed to do was get one first down i mean even if they get one first down and they still end up having to punt the ball let's say they got let's say they picked up a first down on first down and then the 49ers still had to use all three of their timeouts now you're giving the ball back to them probably at their own 10, inside their own 10, and they only have a minute left instead of a minute 20. So again, picking up any kind of first down in that scenario was hugely, hugely beneficial uh, to the Rams. And instead, what they did was, and I, I know this can be kind of a pejorative word, but they went very conservative with that and just said, we're going to run it three times. We're going to make San Francisco use their timeouts. And then we're going to punt it back to them with our defense that really hasn't been able to stop anything. And that had to is switch, completely switch person personnel like right right before that like I mean that's the thing that people are missing I think is like you know it's it was that was huge that was really a huge loss that that's like your signal caller Jalen Ramsey did a great job calling signals but you have to then resequence all of your sub packages and everything all of it um if you lose a player like that in the middle of it like in the middle of a drive and then you're lucky to finish out that drive. Jalen did. I mean, that was great interception that he had. Right. And you're, and then they went back and they scored. And that was, I think, a positive too. Was that they did capitalize off of that. But then on the other side, and then you know, then on the other side, the defense showed up again. Von Miller sacked Jimmy Garoppolo for a huge loss. And and the that's that's what got the Rams the ball back. And then they killed the two minute. And then they started killing timeouts. And that's that's the thing. It should have been over. The game should have been over when Von Miller sacked Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, no question. I thought it was. Well, I, I mean, the defense clearly thought it was too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as just as an object, you know, as a, as somebody with no skin in the game, I wasn't I wasn't cheering, nor was I betting. But when when that play was made, I thought, oh, that's it. All the Rams need to do is pick up one first down here, and the game is over. Um, and but yet they couldn't. So it, that was that was the decision. And to be clear, like I I understand the the thought process behind it because if you let that scenario play out a hundred times. And, and it's it's just objective team A and team B, you know, like if you do what happened there a hundred times, the Rams probably win the majority of those games. When you say we're going to run the ball three times, we're going to make them use all their timeouts, we're going to punt it back to them, they're going to have it with a minute and 27 seconds, they have to go 88 yards, and they don't have any timeouts. If you put the other team in that scenario a hundred times, you're you're probably going to win, I don't know what the number is, you're going to win the majority of those games. But that wasn't, that wasn't in a zero-sum game there. The Rams, as you just said, had to have all these things in flux that they were trying to fix. They had no momentum because they had been playing, you know, terrible in the second half on defense. So it, it wasn't it wasn't an equal situation. It wasn't a situation where you would say, well, yeah, let's do this because normally this works out. Well, in this case, you had to have a pretty reasonable thought that it wasn't going to work out for all of those factors that you that you said. So being a little bit more aggressive 
aggressive on offense and saying, you know what, maybe we are taking a little bit of risk here. Maybe we are going to throw it on second down, even though even though tradition or, or you know the odds say that you should run it here. No, you know what, we're going to throw it on second down because we need to we need to get this first down. We need to end this game right now. The and odds don't even say. I'm sorry too. I'm not to, not to interrupt you, but like no. anal- analytically speaking, like you are. You you will be more productive passing on early downs, like. Right. But again, like again, you could do play action early down, right? You can run all of this stuff, but but and and and, and honestly, you can't even really say in a vacuum that you know eighty eight times out of a hundred you do win the game that way because it's just not. We just don't know. We we don't have the algorithm to run that. But sure. at the same time, like you like. You, you have all the facts in front of you as a, as a coach. You have all the situationals in front of you. Right. And you opt for, again, like you're at the, what, the 42-yard line at that, 44-yard line at that point. For, I think it was about the 45 that they punted from ultimately. Like you're at that yard line and you have a chance to close the game. And, right. you know, you kind of turtle up. Right. And Sean McVay, like I pushed him on this in his press conference and, and to his credit, like I thought he answered it very well and not not post game because that was a very short time period. But he did give us a long time um, the day after and um, did push him on it. And he did answer, I think, well, first of all, breaking a little news about the toe situation, which, again, you factor that in, I, I you know, I don't know really how much that affected anything. I also don't know how much that affected the the throw at the end of the game that was underthrown. Um, right, right. But also, why are you trying that throw if your toe is hurt, by the way, when you have an outlet underneath? But that's a, we're not even going to get into, we, we're going to go long on this podcast and we're not even going to get into that at this point. But like, you know, when you have all the situational situationals in front of you, um, to me, it just skews, like it just skews so heavily toward you have an opportunity now to beat these guys for the first time in the, these six matchups and to really just ride the high in a stadium where you have to go to a silent count at certain points in your home stadium and to just really go for that hammered point home of I can do this, I have this, and you know, double bird up. Like, <laughs> seriously, like you, you have the opportunity to do that and you right. – you forego doing it. And Sean McVay said, it's not like we were trying to kneel it out. I didn't assume they were trying to kneel it out. I right, did think no. they were trying to get him to kill his timeouts. No. To me, the sequencing, toe aside, which I've said twice now, which is so weird, but <laughs> toe, toe aside, the sequencing of that play, it, it seemed to me like it was a predetermined decision to try to just kill the timeouts and that they were they knew at some point you know, the possibility was going to be there. Sean McVay admitted they knew they were not running the ball well at all. He said that post game, we weren't running the ball efficiently at all. We weren't running the ball well at all. Right. And you're on that yard line and it's that down in distance. Ultimately any, any one of those downs and you almost seem to have made a premeditated decision that you're going to run the ball on these, no matter what. That's what it felt like to me. The personnel that they had, the uh, the 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 play calls in sequence, um, it, it seemed to me like you weren't going to budge. You weren't going to adjust from this decision, no matter what. 
Oh, I don't think there's any question about yeah. that. I mean, how many t- I mean, it was third and seven. How many times is if we're not talking about an end of game scenario like this, how many times has Sean McVay ever run the ball on a third and seven like that? That is clear to me that that was the strategy. And and again, I, I would say and I, I don't have the numbers on it either, but but I understand. I understand the idea of like, hey, we're we you know, we think we can punt the ball back to the 49ers here and we're going to get a stop. Um it just it didn't work. And and I think you, you probably have to have a little bit more awareness of your own situation and, and the way that your defense is playing and injuries and everything else and say, you know what, most of the time that is maybe the right play. But in this case, in our specific scenario, in our specific situation, maybe it isn't the right play. Um, but that's that's the path that he chose. And it, it certainly it certainly is second guessing. I'm not going to shy away from that. It's uh, although, you know what? It, maybe it isn't because I think we I think we could see that in real time and go, oh, ooh, is this really how you're handling this? So like, I don't think it's necessarily second guessing, but it, it's criticism. But but I, I think it's it's fair criticism. Um, and speaking of fair criticism, Jordan, uh, it, it, the one thing like. Look, people have a lot of questions about Matthew Stafford, right? And and I I do think we'll see how the the, the toe situation. I I also can't believe uh, we are sitting here talking about a, a toe uh, twelve months after the we thumb were, of the foot. Yeah, after we were fixated <laughs> on Jared Goff's to, uh, thumb, now we are fixated on Matthew Stafford's toe. Our, our lives get very strange uh, sometimes. But but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what was going on there. W- what I do know is that w- what I saw in overtime specifically was was really not good. So whether that was affecting some of and, and I'm not even talking about before he got to the interception, but I mean the, the a couple passes that he was attempting to Odell that that weren't even really close and and you know behind him or short or whatever it was um it just it looked like something was really going on there and and then the interception i i don't understand i jordan i don't i don't know if you if you went back and watched i I went back and and watched the final play of the game a couple times to see where matthew's eyes were on that whether or not they weren't on sony michelle as the under concept yeah it's it's hard to um, which would have been a much smarter move, which I know is what you're saying. Um, but it was just, it was an unnecessary throw um, for, for one thing. I mean, it was, it was first down um, at the Rams 38. They still had plenty of time. It was just the two minute warning. They did not need to be taking shots down the field. Um, so I don't know whether that was something that he saw pre-snap that that made him think that that was the way to go with it. I don't know whether that was a second read. I, it's it's really hard for me to tell what I was think, going I on there. I think he thought but. he had a good pre. Like I think he thought he had a good uh, good look in terms yeah. of the 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 receiver DB matchup there. Um, it it was underthrown. The problem that I have with it is the decision. The decision to me, the the sequence of plays that led up to it, I thought were not were not good plays. First of all, like yeah. that's so that's we're gonna hold all of these things in our heads at once. Like that was one part of the problem to me. The other part of the problem then becomes if you, I was talking to somebody on Twitter, uh, our friend Seattle Rams. Um, yes. Shout out to at Seattle Rams. Um, so I was talking to him on Twitter about how that's part of the problem is when you go over like you you go sort of over conservative 
on one side of it, then you almost have to make up for it on the other side in a serious situation because you didn't close when you had the opportunity at right. tech. And so now you you have to now overcompensate on the other side. That's to me what that throw felt like. And that's one of the lowest probability throws specifically between Matthew and Odell. And yeah. I don't blame them for it being the lowest. They're, they're still working out their timing. They get very few reps together, generally speaking, in terms of when you think about the thousands and thousands of reps you could have if you don't join a team halfway through the year. Um, like, right. I don't blame them for not having their timing down there. And I, also, we don't know if the toe affected the throw. Oh, my God. Now we're rhyming. Um, but but like you, you, you don't you don't know any of that. So right. like um, but but then again, if you're if you are affected by it, you don't make that throw. And also, like, that throw has led to an interception. I believe that throw specifically between Matthew and Odell has led to an interception more often than not this year when it's attempted. Right. And so that's also not good. That shrinks the probability even further. It's not like this time's going to work. Like, <laughs> when you're in that situation, again, calculated patience, like calculated, smart, efficient play calls and play and execution. Yeah. And that is that was the problem that I had with that. Like if you are going to take that shot, first of all, you hope it's not intercepted. But if you're going to take that shot, take it early in the down, like take a shot and then, yeah. fig- you know, I, I just I it just was a mess. It was a total. And that the first half, everything was so balanced and they were calling a really great game and yeah. they were they were executing and everything, you know, on on both sides of the ball. Special teams, amazingly, was not even an issue and actually set them up really well at, for that last drive in the end. Yeah. Like yeah. it just all of it, you know, it's all of it. And 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 then all of a sudden, it just was completely pivoted to implosion. Yeah. Um. In, in yeah. phases, and I think that's the problem. Is like the postseason, and we're going to see it this this Monday too. Is the postseason going to be kindest to the team that can be the most consistent in the times that matter? You can have mistakes, you can make mistakes, but you have to ultimately be consistent in the times that matter, and you have to be more consistent than you are not. And that's the problem. That's that's the issue. And and you've seen the Rams really pull it out in self-inflicted chaos. But like yeah. we said, it's not a sustainable way to win. And especially if a team, a good team, now they're all good teams. They can capitalize yes. off of that. And and you might have to see them again. And and it's like, it, it would be infuriating to me to know that such simple things can derail you to that effect. And I think you, if you are consistent, you are not derailed in that regard. But it's consistent throughout, consistent with your efficiency in the picking of your play calls consistent with your adjustments, consistency with your consistency with your execution and consistency particularly in playing clean football, sound football. Um, you know, this is obviously not factoring in any injuries. We won't know that, but um that's right. going to be that's going to be it. That's that's what's going to be it for the Rams uh coming up here on Monday night against the Cardinals. Boy, I could not agree with you more, Jordan. I mean, that 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 really and you know, this it's going to be a fascinating matchup. I'm glad it's this matchup because there's there's just so many layers here and you look at the two games that they played in the regular season, they were so different um in in the way the style and and everything else and in the score, of course, because they split the two games. Um but 
I, I honestly think that's what it is, Jordan. It, it is the consistency. And, and I think that's in, I was joking about, you know, going back and forth with the Rams fans on Twitter. But, but when you really read, when, when you cut through the, the, the initial layer of angst and anxiety, what you, what you're AKA really, how I start my morning every morning. <laughs> I, I think what you're really seeing from, from fans and from our, our listeners is that kind of, there's that feeling of, my goodness, if we could just put this together and you know keep the four tires on the car like we feel good we feel good about this team we like this team we like the talent we feel good about the potential of this team but my goodness that do they are they not able to keep those four tires on the car i mean yeah. one's always wobbling and rolling switch away to ways. switch yeah. to ways that way you can see when objects are in the road ahead. There you go. <laughs> yeah but that's this really what is not is. sponsored by ways no no it's not <laughs> but but I think people feel good about this team, you know, and and it's right there. There's no reason why the Rams can't can't win this game or can't go on really go on to the Super Bowl if if they play to their potential, if they eliminate these mistakes, if they play with consistency, if they make simple adjustments like you just so eloquently talked about. Um, this is not a team that's that's going to get overmatched. It's it's not a team that uh, is going to get out uh, that's going to get out talented, which is not a word, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, I mean, everything is is there for them. It's just they have to get out of their own way. And Jordan, you you referenced your your column. We didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about it, but but I I, I think I don't want to uh, take your words away from you. But but that, that's kind of how I read it. Is the the Rams are just so multiple with everything that's going on here, and they they really need to kind of. Uh, they need to settle into the, the version of themselves uh, that is there, and they have shown that version of themselves that can be this consistent, steady, you know, relatively error-free team. And and if you see that version of the Rams, I, I think you really, really like their chances against Arizona. But on the other hand, I don't know how you could come into it fully confident that you're going to see that version for a full four quarters. Uh, that That's the dilemma to me. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's kind of like you wake up that morning and you're like, which which version of the Rams am I going to see today? And right. you hope that they figure it out by then. Um, and, and you can, you know, the, the thing about the aggression, this is the last thing I'll say about this before we wrap, because the, it's, I, I, as you guys know, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm a fan of, um, aggressive decision making. I'm a fan of going for it on fourth down, all this stuff. I don't think that it's always even, you know, I think you have to also factor in situationals that it, it might not always be the right answer. You might have some sort of unknown and everything, but, but what I don't like is first aggression for the, just for the sake of being aggressive. I don't right. like that. So that was the, the problem that I had with that pivotal sort of hinge moment in the first half. Um, to, to almost at the end of the first half with that third and one. The other thing that I don't like is um, not being consistent in deciding this quarter I'm going to be aggressive, this quarter I'm not. Right. And I think that's part of that's part of the the chaotic aspect that you're feeling here, and you kind of it permeates through um, through everything. I think that if you're going to be something, be it. And Ooh, um, I like that. Yeah, and I think that you know you might not end up being correct in the decision of, of what to be or who to be, but you have not just spun frenetically around for two and a half quarters trying to figure out what that is. And you have a plan, a calm, 
collected plan to switch right. to if you see that it is not working. Right. And so I think that that's, that's such a, a major difference and, and we're going to see, but I'm, I'm looking forward to covering it. It's fun. That's the thing guys, you know, this is postseason football. I mean, do you know how, like, I didn't cover this stuff for a long time. <laughs> so I think this is fun. Like this is, this is a lot of fun. And, right, um, right. you know, it, it, we, we really, really love having you guys with us on the ride here. You know, the Rams set high bars for themselves and now they're, they're going to have to sort of, uh, like I said in my column, collect all of their selves and, uh, funnel it into something really productive. You know, this is a good football team. That's the thing. Yeah. That's why, uh, that's why we, we sort of extrapolate things like this in the way that we do is because this is a damn good football team. Yeah. And I think Rams fans should know that and do know that. Um, and I think that, that they're, everything is in front of them for the taking if they want it. I do think, I really genuinely believe that. And, and that's a positive. That is a positive. So, um, and you know what, look at us ending on a positive, Rich. Oh, always, always. <laughs> Um, another positive is Jordan will have great coverage throughout the week. There is a lot to, to dissect here, and and I'm really looking forward to. Uh, uh, I feel sorry already for for Jordan's uh, sleep patterns because I know she's going to be uh, working <laughs> throughout. Rich is, Rich the is week. staring at the dark circles under my eyes right now. <laughs> but. Um, Gosh, a lot here, and uh, can't think of anybody else who I'd rather be reading on it than Jordan. So please follow along on the day-to-day stuff, not only on Twitter, at Jordan Rodrigue. I'm sure there's going to be updates fairly soon on some of these injury uh, things, and we'll be tracking the the injury report um, more closely. But of course, I know Jordan's, we're not going to let it out of the bag. I know Jordan has a couple things that are coming that uh, you're really, really going to like. And of course, we uh, appreciate all of our subscribers. We had some big news at The Athletic a few days ago, but uh, I am I am very uh, confident. I had some great back and forths with people on Twitter just about, you know, what this means. But look, we, we are really confident and, and feel good going forward. You, you're going to get Jordan. She's not going anywhere. Uh, I'm here. She, yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the content is, is going to be just as great as it has always been, if not even greater. So I, I assure you uh, that you should feel good about that. And we thank all of you who have been with us for, for a while. If you're not already on board, please, please do join us. Please uh, sign up and you can always do that uh, through our uh, page at theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. And, and we did have do someone that, do that. Like, well, we, right. we get a lot of it's cool because we get a lot of subs every week through this podcast, Rich, which I know yeah. you see it's It's really nice. But also like someone actually did ask me where to subscribe. And I pointed that on Twitter and I pointed them to the 11 personnel right podcast on. page that Get you my favorite thing in the world, Rich. Yes. And <laughs> what is that? Thing, my favorite thing in the world, a great discount. A great um, discount. Every time that you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. We are trying to not get make that too loud of a statement for our new bosses uh, over at The New York Times, who we're very grateful for, but also hoping that we can keep that little little trick discount move a little bit of a secret here because I think it kind of goes under the radar a little bit, which is nice because we're trying to get you guys that sweet, sweet discount because it is indeed my favorite thing in the world. Um, guys, we're really excited for this run. Whatever happens in the next couple of weeks, we will be with you every step of the way. We hear you. Uh, we love hearing you. We see your tweets. We see your comments. Shout out to the best comment section on the internet over at The Athletic Los Angeles slash 
the Rams. Um, we just love you guys, and we're in this with you. So, uh, you know, let's uh, let's 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 be nice to each other. Let's let's keep each other uh, let's keep each other up, and, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>